The reading this morning is from the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 13 to 20. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Anyone who breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. The very words of Jesus from uh, his holy scriptures. Thanks be to him. Amen. Amen. Morning, church. We have had the privilege of hearing the smartest man ever give the most powerful teaching ever, or at least part of the most powerful teaching ever, uh, seen on the earth as his kingdom, the thing he came to found and launch and inaugurate, continues to roll through the the days of history. And uh, this uh, this is our privilege this morning. And the kingdom is coming. Um, Okay. The kingdom's coming. Amen? Should I switch to handheld? Okay, I'll switch to handheld. That off? Yeah, the kingdom is coming. And and we've seen a little bit of that this morning as we've been able to worship God in the Spirit, as we've been able to uh, come alongside these families where the kingdom is coming in these families uh, and in our congregation with new uh, new births and new people here this morning. And if you're new here this morning, I just want to really welcome you. We're glad you're here with us. The kingdom uh, is coming. It's coming in the family shop. It's coming in the scores of people that we serve down there, and it touches their lives. And the kingdom is coming in each one of us because the kingdom is at hand. It is now. And so we're going to uh, look at this morning and uh, where God wants to move us next as he unveils the next part of his kingdom. But before we do that, I want to just give you a minute to... I want to open up the floor and give you a minute to... um, to uh, share um, what you've been doing over the last week. Last week, uh, some of you may have had ahas. Some of you may have said, uh, you know what? I need to obey this scripture. And how I'm going to do that is I will blank, right? 
So does anybody have an experience from last week where you put into practice uh, what God's word uh, said to you last week? Just we'll take a few minutes. Yeah. morning. I'm Linda Barnhill, and um, I've spent uh, the past week up in the hospital with my brother, and um, he's not a believer, and uh, he um, really kind of rebuffs any overtures to um, share the gospel, but I really felt when I, I've been going every night and watching a movie with him and praying with him when I leave, and he... Um, I really felt the Lord tell me, he's made a lot of mistakes in his life, but um, what the Lord said is um, all of those uh, can be fixed. Everything really here on this earth, you know, it can somehow be fixed, it can be healed, but if he dies without Christ, that's a, a mistake that can never, ever be fixed into eternity. And so I was really nervous about saying that to my brother when he's sitting in a hospital bed uh, and, um, but I just, the Lord just gave me the strength to do it. And, um, and he was just, I think, you know, please pray for him. His name's Bruce, but I really think he was moved by it. And, um, he could feel how nervous I was about sharing that with him, but I really felt the Lord tell me to press through. And so I think that it's having an effect. Amen. Amen. Well done. Lord, um, we, we lift Bruce to you, and we ask now that you heal him and bring him uh, into relationship with Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Anybody else? Oh. Sorry. Hey, I'm... Yeah. Okay. Hey, I'm Laura Snow. I'm, um, I'm a nurse, and um, I work with a lot of nursing students, people who are in school. And one of them, one particular um, student this week was having a lot of time, with, a hard time with test anxiety, like getting called on in class and flooding. Have you ever had that circumstance when someone asks you for memory recall and you go, ooh. Some, <laughs> some people may be feeling that right now when I open the floor and say, hey, you want to share? <laughs> Amen. So one reason, one reason that could be happening, should I separate? Um, one reason that should, that could be happening is it's a flooding. And when your brain goes, um, or when your heart rate gets up to a hundred or more, then you flood and you physiologically have a hard time thinking because your blood is being shunted other way, other places. Is that correct? Uh, plus minus. Thank you, doctor. And, um, so anyway, what, one thing is, is, um, it's also, it also could be a spirit of fear. So, um, one thing I just challenged her to do was say, okay, when you're flooding, just breathe in and out, elongate. Physiologically, if you elongate your exhalation, it forces you to slow down and your brain to slow down and you think and breathe. And the other thing is just say the word Jesus or just say, you're smarter than me. What do I need to say? And it just takes a split second to say that. And then a lot of times you're, you will just remember the answer. So I challenged her and um, she did it. How about that? And she got it. And so one step closer. One step. Amen. Wonderful. Wonderful. You know, we are here every Sunday. Part of the purpose is obviously to worship God with our, our beings, our songs, our offerings, our time, our service. And um, 
But when we receive the word, um, as we talked about the last couple of weeks, Jesus wants us to put it into practice. So I'm going to pray for that. Father, I just pray that whatever you say today, we would, uh, whatever touches our spirit, whatever we know is from you, that we would do that, uh, that very same thing, uh, joyfully and quickly. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus is coming. Uh, we saw last few weeks that he's the king uh, who came. He's the one that was filled with the Holy Spirit. He's the one that the Father loves. He's the one who went into the desert to defeat Satan. He's the one who has come now and uh, preaches the kingdom all over Galilee. And dozens, hundreds, we don't know, it doesn't say, of people are touched, healed, delivered uh, from things like epilepsy and paralysis and The kingdom comes. Jesus just brings the kingdom. And then he goes through the Beatitudes, which simply remind us that, as Jesus says, these people that I've touched, these blessings of the kingdom are available to all. And he turns the religious elite upside down and he swings the doors of the kingdom open wide to everybody. And then he talks about the implications of following him is that we're going to be persecuted. And he says that we should count the cost. We should recognize that's going to happen. And he says, but also the rewards are awesome. Great are your rewards in heaven. And that's where we left off last week. And this week, he's uh, now going to tell us that we are, we are salt and light. And what he's going to do is uh, lead us through... Uh, what that means, he's going to lead us through uh, what it means to be salt, what it means to be light, and then he's going to start talking about righteousness greater than the Pharisees. So we're going to unpack those three things this morning, and uh, so let's dive in. So he begins by saying, uh, you are the salt of the earth. Now, this is, this is kingdom language, because he said the kingdom of heavens is near, He said the kingdom of the heavens is available to all of us. And he's saying, you who are in the kingdom are the the salt of the earth. So he's not saying that we have to do something to do that. He's simply saying we are the salt of the earth. And the salt is something uh, that preserves, that acts against decay. It was, if you will, the, the refrigerator of the Roman times. Um, and it is the salt of the earth, and it's the light of the world that he's talking about. So it is the invasion of the kingdom uh, of light, the kingdom of salt, against the kingdom of the earth, the kingdom of the world. So is a language that talks about the clash of kingdoms where Jesus is coming to establish his and to take away what Satan has taken. And so that's the language. So it's, it's like the beginning of the Great Commission. He's sending us into the darkness and into the decaying world, the decaying earth, to be salt and light. So let's unpack salt first. What does it mean to be salt? And you can throw out ideas here. I've talked about preservative uh, from decay. It was part of their Levitical sacrifices. Whenever they sacrificed an animal, they had to put salt on there as well. So there's, there's an there's a obvious implication of it. But he says that 
you know, you've got to stay salty for that to be effective. So what is he talking about? If you, if you could say, what does it mean to be the salt of the earth? Just shout out what you think it means to be the salt of the earth. Flavorful. All right. Kind. Pardon me? Cause thirst. Okay. Interesting. Yep. That's true. Anybody else? Useful. Excellent. Necessary. Purifying. Healing. You see... Well received. You know, salt was, a, in, in a sense, a, a bit of uh, currency. Uh, a lot of uh, Roman soldiers were paid their salary in salt. That's, the word, that's where the word salary comes from. Uh, it comes from salt. So now, how do you be salty? What does that look like? Taking all those metaphors you just threw out, what does it look like? Following Christ. Stand out. Standing out. Unchangeable. Unchangeable. Take, them a meal. Take them a meal. To bring someone a meal. And that's what I'm looking for. Something practical. Anything else? Being a good parent. Being a good parent. Example, of Christ. Example of Christ. Without training, our children without training, go into chaos, right? So as salt, we, we, as parents, we prevent that decay and we preserve them against bad things that can happen to them. We, we watch over them safety, their safety. So very practical. What else? Uh, someone said taste um, earlier and uh, how would that affect, how could we practice taste Joy, sharing, sharing our joy with people. Uh huh. Encouragement. encouragement, words of encouragement, influencing people. So speaking, right? It's, it involves speaking. It involves living out loud. It involves serving. Uh, it involves bringing uh, wisdom into chaos. Somebody may be struggling with their budget. If you can come in and help them uh, speak words of wisdom to them and sort out their budget, that's a very practical, you have prevented decay in their finances. They're about to buy a car on credit and you know that's going to be a disaster. And you lead them to buy a used car, a lot less expensive, that they can pay cash for or pay off in three months instead of 36 months. You've prevented financial decay, right? So there's so many different practical ways that we can be salt. But Jesus said we have to remain salty. So you must be asking yourselves, how do I remain salty? So Jesus, you know, when he does this teaching on salt, he's always using practical stuff that's sitting around. There's probably a salt pile nearby or somebody's carrying a bag of salt and he has is, he is brought that into the conversation. But most of the salt that was available in the time of Jesus came from the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea, if you go along the coastline of it, is just filled with these mounds of salt. This is the saltiest 
uh, richest in mineral content body of water anywhere on earth, you would lie in it and float on it without trying. And these white crystals would be harvested, ground up, and then they would be used. But this was not pure salt. There's salt for sure in there, but there's lots of other stuff in there. Salt is really a stable compound, but it's very soluble. So if you got your little salt pile from the Dead Sea and somehow water got on it, the salt might run through and you might end up with a pile of white crystals that don't taste very salty anymore. I think that probably was a common thing. So I think to understand what he's saying, you know, to be salty, you have to have the right stuff in you. You have to have the right stuff in you, undiluted from the world that you're around. And, you know, if, if you've lost your saltiness, uh, then the king of creation can make you salty again. So let's see what Jesus was saying about saltiness. In, in Luke 14, he goes into a little bit more detail than he does here in Matthew. And he says, In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. We summarize that around here, especially in our new member packet, by the words, all in. You know, in other words, if you don't give up everything, it doesn't mean uh, get rid of everything. It just means give everything that's more important than me up and make me the centerpiece. If you, you don't do that, you can't be my disciples. If you don't organize your life around Jesus, you can't be his disciple so salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It's thrown out. Whoever has hears to hear, let him hear. And Jesus is simply saying, the more of you that is under my kingdom rule, the saltier you're going to be. The more of you that's under my kingdom rule, the saltier you're going to be. So as we get more of Jesus, we get saltier. The word comes out of us when we need it. Uh, actions of love come out of us when we need it. Uh, bringing uh, the kingdom to others by being saying the right things. That just comes quicker and easier to us when there's more of us under the kingdom rule of Jesus. And then Paul went on to say, that a lot of this has to do with speaking. So he says, Let your conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Paul is telling us that we bring grace and we bring this zesty flavor, this somewhat uh, strong flavor into the world. We restore people who are hurting gently. We pray for their healing. We speak to them. Uh, and especially if we, we've, been, we've been invited into, what do you think about this? To gently point people to the truth. And so this is Paul's way of saying it's about who you are in Christ and it's about how you live and speak and interact with those people around you. So that's being salt. So let's switch gears and let's talk about being light. And he says to let your light shine. So what does it mean to shine? What does it mean to shine? What's he saying? 
You can speak out. To stand out. Like light would in darkness. Yep. To reflect light. To reflect light. Okay. To be positive. To, to be kind. To, to display the fruit of the Spirit. To oppose darkness. To touch everything around you. Light is like that. You can, we were in a cave once in Australia. And it's a massive huge cave. And they turn the lights off. And it's totally black. You can't see your hand like here. It's black. And then they light a little Bic lighter. And then that cave, which I don't know, 25,000 cubic feet, maybe 50,000 cubic feet of space, one little lighter lights the whole thing up. Way more powerful than darkness. Way more, po- way more powerful. And so, what else, what else comes to mind when you think of light? Revealing truth. It takes what is hidden and makes it exposed. Exactly. So what would it look like then to... And, and, and Jesus links the light to our good deeds. He, he says, look, this is about putting this into action. That's why throughout the Sermon on the Mount, we're going to talk about and stop and give everyone a chance to share what they're doing, what God is showing them to do, and then what God is doing as they obey. Because he is, he is saying these are, these are going to be manifested. These, the, the light is going to be manifested in your good deeds. So there's some visibility to that, right? And the goal of that is that others would worship your Father in heaven. Others would worship your Father in heaven. They would see what's going on and they would say, what's going on? City Gospel Mission started a program called the job van and they drive around downtown and they take homeless people and they pick them up in a job van and they take them to work and these homeless people initially didn't want anything to do with it but eventually and it's only been going for a month or so but eventually they've placed eight homeless people in jobs two of them have their own homes now and they're driving to where they are and they're driving them to where workers are needed and they're connecting the homeless people with a work community and then eventually a living community. Um, it is that, that kind of thing that has caused some of these hardened street people to say, who are you people? Why are you here? And it opens the door for the kingdom to come and to be proclaimed. So living above reproach, being generous, being gracious, uh, inviting someone to your home, Refraining from gossip, uh, exhibiting joy and passion. Someone said that uh, it's the it's the prison ministry in your program. The the women's uh, ministry, the family shop ministry, finances contributes to the ministry of Sheila Luther. In the bottom right hand, if you open your program, and she is an ex-convict who brings the light of Jesus into the prisons. And many women are experiencing salvation and life change in the prison. Uh, That is a beautiful picture of being light. So, uh, Jesus tells us to be that light. Now, he then talks about a city on a hill. 
he says, he talks about a lamp on a stand. He says, don't cover it with a bushel or with a, with a covering, but let it shine into the place. He also says, uh, the, the city on the hill, the light of the city on the hill cannot be hidden. And uh, what is he talking about here? He's saying there's no such thing as a private faith. A private faith is no faith. A private faith is not shining. A private faith is not salting. And so Jesus is on the plane. Let's take a look at a picture here just to help you see this. This, we are looking from the west side of the Sea of Galilee, Mount Arbel up here, down onto the Sea of Galilee. That's the north end of the Sea of Galilee right here. Jesus is preaching in this little meadow right here. All right? Just why we call it the Sermon on the Hill. It's just this little me- meadow here. That's Mount Hermon. That's 13,000 feet where uh, the transfiguration took place. And up on this hill, it's very hard to see, I'm sorry, there's a little city, a little village. It's called Safed, S-A-F-E-D. Jesus would have been able to see that village from where he was standing giving the sermon. And he would point up and they would be able to see it. And depending on the time of day, the lights in the evening would be clearly visible. Uh, The light in the morning would be clearly visible. He's saying, look, if you're shining for me, it's going to be visible. What he was not saying, he was not saying, make America great again. Let America be the city on the hill. It it was not a call to nationalism. It was a call to the church to shine. It was a call to the church to shine. We're the city on the hill. We are the city on the hill. When we leave the building... We're a mobile city on a hill. We are mobile light for the community around us. If you've covered your light or if you have not been shining, then I encourage you today to just repent and to get prayer and ask God to fill you with salt and ask God to fill you with light. Paul talks about this light thing. He says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. So that would eliminate Facebook rants. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. The people of light do not do those things. So that you may become blameless and pure, children of God, without fault, in a warped and crooked generation. Quoting Deuteronomy 32. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And again in Ephesians, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, because the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Like Jill said, the fruit of the Spirit. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. This is is the light of Christ. This is living out loud. This is being salt and light, which Jesus says we are. And salt and light give. They are, they, are, they are things that are given. So they're outwardly focused. We give salt and light out there. 
We recharge in here. We worship God. We get in his presence. But we give salt outwardly to the people that we interact with. And it's a negative, uh, it's a, it has a negative or a defensive function because it stops decay. And it has an offensive salt. And it has an offensive function. Light comes in and obliterates darkness. So like any good city on a hill, we need an off, a good offense and a good defense. We need both. And they work together. So others will know and worship our daddy. That's the point of it all. And Jesus is saying, this is your calling. This is your identity that I'm now placing on you. And our, our, our family has, has made this verse, Matthew 5.16, our family mission and vision verse. And, and it has prompted us to practically, when we meet every year, talk about how are we being salt? How are we being light? Uh, how can we let our light shine uh, in greater ways? And sometimes it's mission work and sometimes it's prayers and sometimes it's neighbors. But... I encourage you to think about how God wants to make you salt and light this week coming up. So we're just going to stop for a minute and we're going to ask the question, well, if, if we are the salt of the earth, if we are the light of the world, if Jesus has called us forth in that, then how will we walk that out this week? So take a minute or two, talk to the person beside you if you're here with someone. If you're here by yourself, you can uh, pray uh, silently. And if anybody wants to share anything that's popping for them right now, um, uh, just put your hand up and after a minute or so, I'll, I'll open the floor for people to share. All right, anybody like to share? Yeah, Josh? 
Pardon, I couldn't hear you. All right. The Harneys are going to invite a neighbor to dinner next Saturday. Very practical and amen. Yeah. So you got to talk to your father and brother, and, and, and they had a, you listened, and they told you about a negative experience with, uh, with the church. Yep. It was good. It was a good start, and I want to continue that. All right. So you had a good start from last week, and you want to continue that conversation this week. Excellent. Super practical. Anybody else? Terry. All right, she got be available. That's a, that's a really, no, I really want to highlight that because, you know, between now and next Sunday, you're probably going to talk to somewhere between 25 and 50 people, depending on what kind of job you do and what kind of lifestyle you have. You're going to talk to people. You're going to see people. It could be casual. It could be, it could be uh, in the first service. Someone was on a walking tour and uh, they met somebody who was a veteran who was struggling and they prayed for them. So Terry being available, I think that sounds like God because he will move in some way and you're just going to need to be available. You're going to need to pay attention and work where he's working. John? Amen. We have to speak up, John's saying, and, and that's part of the speaking. It's, it's the living out loud. It comes out of us. If you, if you squeeze us, you should get Jesus. Right? One more. The first thing that came to me was, I will not be so critical of others. All right. I will not be critical of others. And that critical spirit can be an awful witness to the king who brings joy and light and all that, right? Amen. So uh, that's the first two. And let me pray. Father, let us be salt and light this week in growing measure. Let us be available. Let us be practical. Let us have our eyes open to what you want to do. And Lord, empower us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the final bit of today's text is actually a segue into next week and then actually the next three weeks. So Jesus, all of a sudden, and it could feel like a bit of a shear, he brings up the law. All of a sudden, in verse 17, he just starts talking about the law. Why is he talking about the law? Well, you know, he's been preaching a radical message. And the first thing that people are asking is, wait wait a minute, this is different from the Pharisees. Is this legit? Is this from God? He has probably healed more than one person on the Sabbath and he's probably been attacked by the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. So he wants to make it absolutely clear that he is 100% full on with the law to the point that he will fulfill it. He will bring it to pass. So he affirms what we have in our Bibles as the Old Testament. He says, this is totally right and it will stand 
and every jot and tittle will be brought to fruition. I will fulfill all that. And so he's speaking now directly, I believe, to the Pharisees and the religious rulers. Dallas Willard says it this way in in terms of this question. Obviously, he had to say this because this is precisely what his hearers were thinking. They had not heard just another powerless list of legalisms, however pretty, and they knew it. They had heard an upside-down world being set right side up. The law and the prophets had been twisted around to authorize an oppressive, though religious, social order that put the rich and educated in possession of God. Jesus' proclamation clearly dumped them out of their privileged position and raised ordinary people with no human qualifications into the divine fellowship by faith in Jesus. The Pharisees had made their own self-manufactured bounded set. And they had built that bounded set, that fence, and they were in and everybody else was out. You remember we looked at bounded sets and centered sets about a month ago in the book of Thessalonians. Well, Jesus is saying that these guys, the Pharisees, have selectively taught the law. That's what he's referring to in verse 18. They're selective and they, select, they pick the things they can obey and then they, they make mountains out of that and they, they omit parts of the law. And Jesus says you've got to teach all of these commands. His commands, the commands in the Old Testament and all the commands that he's going to give, you've got to fulfill them completely. And he basically says your job is to teach them, uh, obey them yourself and teach them to others. So in there you see part of the Great Commission in its earliest stages at the very beginning of his ministry. And these Pharisees discouraged people. Uh, They wouldn't lift a finger to help people. They would just make them feel like outsiders. Their interpretation of the law, a rabbi's interpretation of the law, whatever the rabbi would teach, would be known as his yoke. What's that guy's yoke? What's that guy's yoke? What's that guy's interpretation of the scripture? And Jesus goes on to say in verses 18 to 20 that the Pharisees are selective, uh, they are not obedient, and that the law is, is good if you know what it really means. And so then he goes on uh, to say, essentially, I'm going to give you my yoke. I'm going to fulfill the law. I'm going to tell you how to do that. He's going to interpret the Torah into the yoke, or by the yoke of the Messiah. So this is what he means in Matthew 11, when he says, uh, come to me, uh, can you put that next one up? Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And he is now going to proceed in the rest of the Sermon on the Mount to interpret the Torah properly. And he's going to give them the Torah of Messiah. And it's going to be a yoke that we can actually do. Now it's going to take a while for this to be fully unpacked in the Bible to the book of Acts and beyond. But what he means is, by the Holy Spirit... I will give what the prophet said, Ezekiel and Jeremiah. You're going to get a new heart 
and I'm going to put my spirit in you and I'm going to put my word in your heart from the inside out. And that's how you're going to be able to function in the new covenant. And so it's going to be like a well where everyone is invited to come and drink from the rivers of living water by having Jesus Holy and the Holy Spirit in us and be able to actually fulfill the law. Paul says it this way in Romans. He says in verse 8-4, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, the law will be fully met in us who do not live according to our flesh but according to the Spirit. So clue number one in Romans is you need the Spirit to fulfill the law. Clue number two is, in chapter 10, verse 4, Christ is the culmination of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. That is clue number two, is faith. Clue number one is the Holy Spirit. Clue number two is faith. And then clue number three is love in chapter 13, verse 10. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. So Jesus is moving us from law and the Pharisees' yoke to love and the Messiah's yoke. And this is why he says, you need a righteousness greater than the Pharisees. I'm going to show you how to do that. And that righteousness in you that I give you, you don't have to work for this. I'll give you this righteousness. That righteousness will be the key to being salt and light. It will be the key to being salty and radiantly shining. And so Jesus is going to go on, and now this is, we're moving into the next three weeks. He's going to go on and show us how this is going to be done. It's going to be done by the renovation of the heart. And he's going to renovate us from the inside out. And he's going to do that by describing the righteous kingdom heart. So the topics for next three Sundays are Kingdom Heart 1, Kingdom Heart 2, Kingdom Heart 3. And we're going to look at two each week of these things. Uh, your community, your friendships. The Pharisees' righteousness. That Greek there is dikeosune. Uh, dikeosune. You want to say that? Dikeosune. The righteousness of the Pharisees is don't commit murder. The righteousness of the kingdom is Love everyone and have no contempt. The righteousness of the Pharisees is on lust is don't have intercourse. The righteousness of the kingdom is do not cultivate lust in your heart. Marriage. Pharisees say pink slip divorce whenever you want. Jesus says no divorce because your heart will change. Honesty. Oh yeah, Pharisees say make oaths and vows and big flowery words. Jesus says tell the truth, zero manipulation, straight up, what is it? You're going to is your yes yes? Then say yes. Then he's going to go to injury. Retaliate exactly is what the Pharisees say. Jesus says help the offender. And then finally, enemies, uh the Pharisees say hate them. Jesus says love them and bless them. So we're going to take this journey over the next several weeks to, to ask God to renovate our hearts in all of the places. Is there anyone here who wants a renovated heart? If you want to stand, I'm going to pray for renovated hearts over the next three weeks.
Father, for those standing, I ask that you would renovate our hearts by your power, by your righteousness that is superior to the Pharisees. We're going to be hearing six times, you have heard it said, not written, but said. And Jesus will say, I tell you. So six times this next three weeks, we're going to have a chance to have Jesus renovate our hearts. So Father, come now over this congregation. Renovate our hearts. Turn us fully into good trees. Take possession of more of us. Bring us into perfect fullness in Jesus Christ. We ask in your name. Amen. You can be seated. So we're just going to finish up with some worship this morning. By the way, C.S. Lewis says, The command to be perfect, which is in chapter 5, verse 48, we'll get there, is not idealistic gas. He is going to make us into creatures that can obey that command. So as we worship this morning, we'll have prayer teams. I encourage you, if you need prayer to be more salty, if you need prayer for more light, if you need prayer for a particular part of your heart, I have been sensing this morning that one of the ways God wants to really move in this congregation at this time is on anger. That the curse of anger can be broken as Jesus reorients our hearts. So if that, if that pertains to you, I encourage you to get prayer. And as the worship team uh, leads us, uh, we're just going to... Have the first song is just to receive and to experience God's presence, and then we'll, we'll close by getting up and worshiping all together. But let me pray. Father, thank you for your identity, your statement of our identity in you, that we are salt and we are light. And Lord, we ask you now to renovate our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen.